0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast, and I hope you had a happy holidays, whichever holiday you're celebrating. I had a very merry Christmas, and I'm looking forward to a happy new year, and from here until 2023, we will be posting all of the Swapcasts or guest appearances that I've done over the past year. So, stay tuned, because for the next five days, you are going to get jam-packed with episodes of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, along with appearances by yours truly on fantastic shows like The Grand Show, Macroaggressions, The One-on-One Podcast, and more. Tinfoil Hat as well. How could I forget Tinfoil Hat? I love Sam. Merry Christmas to all of you who listen to the show. Merry Christmas to everybody. I hope you had a great Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to all of you who celebrate Hanukkah and whatever holiday you celebrate. I don't know all the holidays, but I hope whichever holiday you celebrate, it was great. As for me, I'm just recording this quick intro and I will be joining you in the outro. All of the episodes... You will hear on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast RSS feed whether they're My Family Thinks I'm Crazy shows or whether they're Grimerica or Macroaggressions or whatever show I'm posting, Tinfoil Hat you will get an outro with my thoughts on the episode so stick around I hope we all have a happy new year and until then Stay tuned each day between now and 2023 for all these great, great conversations. Thank you for being here, folks, and enjoy this episode with yours truly on Macroaggressions with Charlie Robinson. This episode is brought to you by LabCorp On Demand. Let's put this plainly, colon cancer screening saves lives, and now you can screen for it at home with the colorectal cancer at home kit from LabCorp On Demand. This simple, non-invasive test is an alternative to a colonoscopy for people at average risk, giving you peace of mind and confidence in your colon health. All for just $89. To purchase your test today, visit ondemand.labcorp.com slash fit. M- Merkel. Media. What does the goddamn
1: line say, Tony? Please do not use gendered language. Then what? I'll be arrested, put in airport jail. Look,
0: well, you're going completely sideways, man. It's a big club, and you ain't in it.
1: How dare you, Mister Speaker? The President of the United States. I'm Chris Hansen with David NBC. Jack Marys, Tac Theratrix. I am Spartacus. Jackson, Sacramento, he, him. Steven Seagal. Sex offender guy. I'm Keith Morris.
0: This is Mumbai, I'm Rick James, bitch. Sorting through the lies. The hijacker's passport was found blocks from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that. We cannot track 2.3 trillion dollars in transactions. And uncovering the centuries-long plan for world domination. Running
1: about Cuba, having some food. Let's talk about Chinese people. Have you ever been in a a Turkish prison? I have sent six of my Libyan I think it could be more fun than jumping off a cliff to German bisexuals. Oh, you English are so superior, aren't you? Thank you, comrade. And now macroaggressions. That's what assholes call it. With your host. Buddy, I don't know who you are, but you're about to get chlamydia. Charlie Robinson. Hey Whitey, where's your hat? You wouldn't drop the blame on Charlie and say it's all Charlie's fault. He was a retard. I get some goddamn diuretic. diuretic. Welcome to Macroaggressions. I'm your host, Charlie Robinson. If you are watching us on Iconic, Odyssey, Rockfin, band.video Video, or you're listening wherever podcasts are served, thank you so much. We appreciate your amazing and continued support. Hey, speaking of that, um, <clears throat> and hey, if you are interested in helping the show grow, you can share it with your friends and family. There's a little button there. You can rate the show as well, give me a good score if you think I've earned it. If you think I haven't, well, then just send me an email. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, our guest tonight is, he's just one of my favorite people in the alternative media. That's just all there is to it. One of the good guys, Mark Steves. He is the host of My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. He's the founder of Alt Media United. We're going to talk about that a little bit towards the end. Mark's here. What's up, Mark? Good to see you
0: again. Dude, it's an absolute pleasure and a true honor to be here on macroaggressions. And uh yeah, man, that's really, really nice of you to say. I hope I could live up to those expectations. Oh, you but do, yeah.
1: you do every day. We chat all the time. You're you're a you're a very positive force in this community. It's not um I and I really I really appreciate that because we deal with some heavy duty topics and it's easy to get blackpilled and think that it's all over and there's no hope. And what are we doing? And what's the point? And these people are going to, these globalist maniacs are going to get us, but you always have such a positive attitude. I'm very inspired by that. It comes across in your work, which is tremendous. And um, so, so I'm wondering though, like, I know how I got into this nonsense. How did you get into this nonsense? I mean, how did you? I mean, I, were you like me? Like, you just, you're just interested in how it all works, or you read a book. And like, for me, I read Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins and it broke, broke my brain for a while. But was there some, what was your journey towards getting into this sort of, uh, these sorts of topics?
0: Well, you know, it's definitely a long, long road, and and I'll I'll do my best to boil down my explanation. But you know, I've been asked this question a lot, and I love being put on the spot every time because it seems like every time I go into this sort of train of thought, I realize a new thing about myself. And as you were saying that, I can remember some of the earliest books that I read, uh, middle school. Uh, elementary school, I was very interested in anything nature books. You know, that was kind of like my my sort of you know, and I was total geek, right? Like, didn't have any chance in sports. Totally like in my room doing that kind of thing. I loved being out in the woods, loved running around and just being in my own imagination. So that was sort of, that laid the foundation. But then I found books about espionage. I found books about the military. I became really fascinated in why all this fighting was going on in the planet. And, you know, being born in 1994, uh, I had just seen 9-11, you know, at, at third grade. You know, we were bust into the library and sat in front of the TV and we watched it happen uh, on repeat as they you know decided whether or not they were going to send us home and we got sent home and and ever since that I really just it didn't scare me cuz I was too young to know really the scope of what was happening but I felt like the sort of patriotic reaction from my family in the years following. And I was very curious about the military and what was going on there. Um, And like I mentioned, I had found books like the art of war and, and you know, one that the name is just too long to, remember, but it's something espionage and spycraft manual, something that, you know, someone in middle school definitely shouldn't have had. I mean, this thing had like (laughs) techniques on how to jump over barbed wire, you know, how to like spy on people. I mean, it was really not the best book for, for someone my age to have, but you know what my grandparents, they were nice. They took me to Barnes and Noble and they would get me a book every now and then, you know, so you're buying an anarchist cookbook. (laughs) Well, there is a story about that. I, I printed that at the school library in high school. So there that that <laughs> came into, into play. And I don't think the librarians were happy with how much ink I used. But um yeah, I just was always a reader and and as I got older I started to sort of expand my interests. And I remember I remember finding this book called The Secret History of the World by Mark Booth. And that was just a really A mind-opening book because at that time in my life, history was this very dense subject that I was interested in, but I was only interested in certain portions of it, and I'd never really had a full look at what history looks like you know outside of maybe like one of these timelines that tells you all the different eras and who really even believes that anyways and here's this guy telling me no it's Lemuria to Atlantis to you know Egypt and then it's you know all of the civilizations following and he sort of follows this spiritual line through history and i found that really fascinating at you know 1617 and also smoking cannabis at that age. My whole world had been kind of turned upside down. I had really been wary of anything drugs and when i realized oh this cannabis is not a drug it's actually a tool and it's expanding my mind and and every time i smoke by myself my curiosity goes through the roof and and that's really where it all started you know just digging through the internet in a time when it wasn't censored i mean i remember a website called stumble upon where i mm-hmm. could click a category called conspiracy hit random and i would just go one after another after another of amazing conspiracy websites i probably even you know found your book through doing that because i remember i don't know maybe this was much earlier than that but i remember your name being sort of in the fabric of the first few like podcasts conspiracy podcasts that i started listening to because it wasn't until 2015 2016 that I had really gotten in the podcasting. I don't know, maybe that's a little earlier than when you'd really hit the scene. I'm not sure the dates, but I remember it's kind of surreal because for, you know, honestly, I'm not just saying this because I'm here. You were one of the first people like, for instance, on Grand America's show or the higher side chats who I remembered, like just off listening to, because there's Dozens and dozens of people that these shows have interviewed, and yeah, I always you, your interview always stuck with me for some reason. So, oh, um, anyways, I hope that wasn't too rambling, but that no. there was there was a lot that contributed to to my interest in this stuff. You know,
1: well, first of all, I'm flattered that you would say that. Yeah, I think the first time I really was doing, you know, interviews, I, I, my the, my octopus book came out in in <clears throat> August of 2017. And then I started doing press for it um, later that year, and uh, I think that the third interview I ever did was Coast to Coast. <laughs> okay, yeah, and that was that was February third of of 2018. So from that point on, then after that, I started doing more and more, and then and then Macroaggression started in uh, March of 2020, and and right. you and I were emailing about that. I remember right before even the I don't even think. Well, maybe the show had just started, but I was emailing with Sam and Sam was putting me in touch with you. And so we were just kind of going back and forth. That was mm. kind of how I first came across you. And, uh, and look, I had the same thing. I found a, someone gave me a book called Everything You Know Is Wrong by Lloyd Pye. And I took a look at that and I went, what is this? This is the craziest book I've ever had. And then and then of course uh Confessions of an Economic Hitman that opened my mind. Then I went down that path and said, "Well, what is this Fingerprints of the Gods by Graham Hancock? I'm interested. I've been to Egypt. This is fascinating. Let me read this." And so when you do that, you start to realize, "Okay. <laughs> all right. I feel like now I have to. You know, I went through all this schooling took history classes and all that. I feel like now I have to go unlearn history so that I can relearn the actual version of history. And that that kind of started me down the path was that I I just wanted to figure out how it all worked because uh, I was I was watching the housing markets implode in Las Vegas and reading John Perkins' book about the World Bank and IMF and I'm going, oh my God, this is what is happening here, like on a smaller scale. So, and that leads you down the rabbit hole. I remember stumble upon. I remember used to do that too. You just just, what am I going to get? Sometimes it's cool. Sometimes you get a great one. Sometimes you get something that, that you're not into, you just click to the next one. But but I had a job where I sat in front of a TV or in front of a, a computer for for like eight hours a day and there was nothing else to do. So I was watching David Icke videos and I was mm-hmm. watching Alex Jones and I'm watching the, the history of money and I'm I'm trying to figure out all these things. So I get it, man. Once you once you get like uh, once you get into this stuff a little bit, it is easy to fall down those rabbit holes. What's the first one that, that you really kind of like geeked out on? Was it? Would it be like that hidden history, like Atlantis, Tar- Tartaria, well, Lomelia, that really? Like stuff? the
0: furthest, the furthest back was like Ripley's Believe It or Not had a strange like strange creature section, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing that photo of. Um, I forget what do they call her, but uh, you know this the Bigfoot. You know, I think the uh, the Patterson Gimlin film. So I think her name's Patty. I don't know, but it's a female Bigfoot, and I really I don't doubt that picture at all. I mean, I've seen a documentary about it. I really something about that stuck out to me at a young age. I think that was pivotal you know it's like because at that age i was really fascinated with nature and animals and now here's all this evidence of these animals that mainstream science doesn't admit are real you know so there was my first instance of like there's something that the mainstream doesn't want you to know about and then from there it just exploded i mean ufos uh the psychic phenomena stuff not as much of an interest until i really kind of got into smoking cannabis, you know, because there's something about cannabis that offered this spiritual consciousness shift mm-hmm. that I just I was very much third dimensional consciousness, I'll say, for lack of a better term, for the majority of my life. And then cannabis in conjunction with martial arts really, you know, blossomed into this new, not not new personality, but really a like a a different personality than I had really uh, I I really grew out of a uh, sh- a big deep shell. Like I was in a very deep shell for a lot of my life, and um, and martial arts kind of gave me this uh this other perspective shift. Because as soon as I made the transition to being like somebody just an average student to being somebody who had a reputation of like, oh, he could beat you up. Don't mess with him. I just noticed like wow people's group mentality you know they're very much worried about what the group thinks and I was too but I noticed that dynamic like people wanted to fight me when they knew they could beat me up but then once I was somewhat of a challenge it was like no we got to be this guy's friend you know and, and and that was like that was like a really odd shift too cuz now all these guys who are like you know football players and They're like, oh, Mark's on the wrestling team; he's one of us. And I'm like, I'm not really one of you guys. (laughs) Ball sports have never been my thing, you know. And uh, and so that was that was definitely like all to highlight the fact that I've been kind of a black sheep. And going into college, around that time, I found the book The Secret History of the World by Mark Booth. I was reading things like The Way of the Shaman by Michael Harner and all of the Carlos Castaneda material uh, with Don Juan. And I ended up synchronistically meeting my own veritable Don Juan. I mean, literally, I, I was sitting on a on a bench in the New Haven Green, just smoking a, a joint and I was wearing a t-shirt that had sitting bull on it. And mm-hmm. this guy comes over and he looked totally out of character for anyone I'd ever seen in that area in my life because and he's this short squat, Native American dude, dark, dark red skin and thick, you know, jet black hair, you know, and I just, you know, I'm in Connecticut. There's not a lot of people that look like that around here. Um, So it just, you know, it struck me and he's looking at my shirt and he's like, oh, what, what makes you, you know, wear a shirt like that, you know? So we started talking about Native Americans, started talking about weed because I'm smoking. He, he had some smoke too. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of like the beginning of a really cool friendship. You know, he, he taught me, uh, a lot about native American culture, but he also taught me about conspiracy is whole reason he moved from Arizona to new Haven was to connect with the, um, disinterred remains of Geronimo. Mm-hmm. So for those who, who don't know, uh, Prescott Bush in the 18, early 1900s, uh, robbed the grave of Geronimo, allegedly, mm-hmm. and brought the skull and femur bones, as is their practice, to the uh, tomb on High Street, which is a very sort of Egyptian-looking building on a sort of one-way street through the campus that really only security cars drive down. And like people turning around like it's it's really like a sort of in the middle of everything but out of sight kind of street and he would walk over there every day at noon and he would stand in front of the tomb and he would scream geronimo as loud as he could and this his voice would powerfully like reverberate through the you know old walls of this campus and For those who have never been to, you know, Yale's campus, it's not like these modern university campuses with the big class, you know, buildings and all that. It's very old and sort of gothic looking stone. Everything has a carving into it. I mean, the symbols are endless along the, you know, old campus, specifically, you know, where the, you know, school has always been. The newer buildings look new, but there's a lot of a uh, really interesting ornateness that you can sort of get the sense that there's a culture underlying this sort of mainstream culture but i'm getting a little ahead of myself so so amos you know he came here after being you know out of prison and he was homeless you know and i was like like, dude, you know, what do you got to lose? Why don't you just go in there and bust down the door and get the skull back, you know, bring it back to where it belongs? And he's like, no, that's, that's, not, that's not what it needs. You know, these people, they need to admit to their crimes. That's really what is going to sort of mediate and, and settle what's been kicked up here, you know, and. One of the things that has happened in the history of uh, since the the skull's been taken to the tomb is there have been several attempts by different groups of people to try to get it back. The first time was met with a sort of uh, privilege, sort of sneering, sort of uh, very insulting they gave them a child skull as if they weren't going to be, you know, aware of the difference and said, yeah, here it is, you know, that kind of thing. And the group of, I don't remember the exact tribe, whether or not they were the same, you know, group of people as Geronimo or not, because this is sort of a multi-tribal issue at this point. I mean, Geronimo is a uh, is one of the most well-known Native American figures in Native American history um and it's because he's such a fearsome warrior which plays into what I'll get into later on about skull and bones but yeah yales never really a admitted or b um uh, sort of they they've entertained attempts to get it back but they've never actually done anything enough substantial to admit that it's there right uh which is why uh this next part they had a a, a guy pose uh, a lawsuit against George W. Bush when he was president because of his membership with Skull and Bones. Uh, in conjunction, I think the lawsuit included Yale somehow, uh, and that was dismissed by lawyers. I don't know who did that, but maybe not the best idea to go after the active president with that kind of thing. I think it was more about the public publicity of it all, and and trying to make an opportunity out of that. But what's curious is in 1928, the United States Army built a uh, memorial over Geronimo's grave and they covered the ground with cement, like a six foot by six foot wide big block of cement, and then built this memorial on top of that. So, I mean, that to me feels like it's a cover up, you know, this is after uh, Prescott Bush, you know has some some success in government as well so he possibly has some pull uh skull and bones has had pull since the beginning i mean the founding members went on to be uh, president uh the other founding member uh huntington huntington russell i think is his name william huntington russell he went on to be connecticut's first national guard uh president and set up the connecticut Na- national guard and Since their founding in 1832, they've been very involved with military, politics, big industry. So Skull and Bones has uh, quite the, quite the uh, connections, we'll say on a global scale. But, you know, I, I learned all about this in a really strange kind of personal way you know, through this guy Amos, and I had no reason to, you know, think he was lying to me about any of it. And it was really sobering, because at that time, conspiracy theories existed in books and online, you know, you couldn't just walk up to a building and like, witness it with your own eyes. Okay. I wasn't really keen on the Freemasons yet. And they have a huge temple in New Haven. Not that I I think that that's any indictment. I'm sure there's many layers to that can of worms but um as far as skull and bones goes they're one of only nine secret societies as far as i know that have ever existed at yale uh some of them sort of evolved into more of what we would think of as just like fraternities but the three that are sort of like the ominous three scroll and key wolf's head and skull and bones they're you know basically Uh, They they enlist only the best and brightest privileged, exclusive, you know, people who are from establishment families, military families. It's very much a a privileged sort of funnel into a uh, position where maybe you're, you know, decisions on you know certain things will be manipulated by the group at some point in time maybe not you know i mean there are some people that have graduated from skull and bones and gone on to be you know basically nobody unless they're like working under black books or something as for the cia who knows i mean they're just names on paper but there are there's a there's a book written by anthony c sutton and he found the um Basically, the catalog of of names of everybody who had been in Skull and Bones from the beginning in 1832 up until I believe the mid 2000s, which is when he released the second edition of this book prior to his death, and uh, which I don't think is related, but you know, who knows? I haven't looked into that.
1: I, I, it's funny you say that. I was just watching a video of Anthony Sutton uh, oh, yeah? yesterday. Yeah, uh, talking yeah, about the Soviet about how how the US um oligarchs of you know the Fords and Carnegies financed and the Rockefellers and it financed the Russians, the Bolshevik Revolution, how the how not just the Bolsheviks but but the Soviet Union up and in, even including back when we were uh involved in Vietnam that they were building these factories and 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 uh huge um facilities to manufacture cars that could easily be switched over to military vehicles and of course that's what they were doing and and he broke it down Now that guy was that guy was uh, amazing in his in his research and i don't know if you're familiar with john rappaport but john rappaport who does has a, uh, a website called no more fake news He's a he's a prolific writer, puts out a a blog, puts out three blogs a day, actually. And uh he's been writing a lot about Anthony Sutton. That's how I wound up reading about that. That's how his name wound up in my head. And then I said, well, I should look this up. And then I someone sent me a a video and it was him, and now you're talking about him. I have some woo-woo synchronicity going on here, but I think his work was um well, he, he it's was funny you 1925 say that. to two thousand and two I think is when he died and 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 he's he he got into the things he got into the things that we like and and it's it's nice to see like the video I saw the interview I saw was nineteen eighty and right. for me to go, man, that's forty two years ago. And this guy is breaking it down in a way that would definitely get him thrown off of Twitter today. So it it's great to watch that. It's funny. I didn't know he did anything with Skull and Bones.
0: Yeah, that I think that's what he's best known for, but he has written several books on fascism, communism, yep. and th- things Alt-isms. like that. Right. And yeah, very prolific guy. It's funny you mentioned the synchronicity aspect of it because you know, this is all this that I'm describing happened. In my freshman and sophomore year of college and i ended up dropping out of that community college in sophomore year because i'd really been like disillusioned and fed up and i said to myself i can make a career for myself outside of this system i don't know how i don't know what it's going to be but i'm going to do it it's kind of funny that I'm talking about it on the podcast now cuz this is clearly what my life has become and and I couldn't f- figure out a better career for someone who, you know, as you can see, has a clear obsession with this kind of information, yeah. you know, with the bo- books here, but you know, I I ended up uh having several different jobs after that, the first job that was sort of connected to everything, I was a Chinese food delivery guy, and I really fell in love with that sort of job, you know. And and I don't know if I would be here if I didn't do that, you know. Uh, for multiple reasons, I loved it. But um, one day, this guy who I'd gone to high school with. Someone who had actually sent me uh, the link to loose change on AOL Messenger, if you remember that, like, oh, yeah. so either that or MySpace, like way back then. He was on top of this stuff far more than I was, and he comes into the Chinese food place that I worked at. And he's like, "Hey man, what have you been up to? What are you doing? Like, what are your plans?" And you know, I told him I, I dropped out of community college, and he says, "Well, you, you know." I'm not in college either, but you should come to this fraternity that I'm a part of. I'm like, what? Fraternity? You're not in college? What do you mean? And he's like, yeah, it's cool. You know, it starts naming some of the people that are there. And then I'm like, starts ringing bells in my head. I remember like dropping a friend off there one time. And it was this like infamous party house on a campus, not Yale's campus, but very close to Mm -hmm. Yale. And, uh, and, yeah, I ended up going there and like the first text before they, they initiated me into like the first thing was like, you're about to go down the rabbit hole. And like I had never like heard that phrase in, at that point in my life. But I mean, I cannot go on a podcast without hearing somebody say it at this point, you know, or listen to one. But, you know, it's, it's so weird because one of the things that they kind of spooked us with as new guys and this was just like a animal house type fraternity you know really focused on partying and safe partying you know so we wouldn't get uh kicked off campus or you know in trouble with the cops but we were already off of greek life like we weren't an official fraternity within the school's uh you know understanding but either way one of the things that they scared us with was like this uh, story about how one day they went and stole uh, a flag from the Skull and Bones, um, not their tomb, but where they sleep, where they stay, because they do have their own like sort of dorm area for certain members during their senior year. So they steal this sort of like Skull and Bones Jolly Rogers flag from this porch and bring it to the house and put it in the front window. And like. You know, the next week, these guys like come and knock on the door, they got like a black SUV, and they're like, we want the flag back. And at that point, you know, the flag wasn't in the window, it was kind of just like, you know, a joke, they put it out there on display. And, you know, as far as as far as I know the guys that were in the frat back then they were like rugby players they were not exactly guys that were easily intimidated mm-hmm. so they were kind of gave them a little bit like what for and like hey man this is our house we're not you know you, we don't even know what you're talking about type shit so mm-hmm. but there was that sort of you know brush with them and that put uh, you know put a certain, flavor in the air that i really appreciated but i was i was sort of disappointed at the average person in the frats like lack of of care or concern with the reality of this because i saw i'm like this is a real conspiracy and like we're kind of like a benign fraternity in the same sort of swimming pool as this really nefarious you know fraternity and as much as you know, my brothers had really no interest in in learning about this stuff for the most part. Uh, that time in my life gave me a lot of like syncs and and synchronicities that eventually led to where I'm at now. One of them was a good friend that I made in the fraternity uh, had a really uh high position, uh, we'll say, at a bakery nearby in town, and he hired me as a delivery driver. So I start delivering for this bakery, and they had all the these contracts with Yale. So I would go in, in the buildings and drop bread off every morning. And one of these buildings that I would go to every Tuesday, the janitor, he had kind of gotten frustrated with me knocking on the door so early. So he just was like, here, I'm going to show you how to get into this building, like a little sneaky way to get in. So, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm going in, I'm thinking, oh, this is cool. I'm sneaking in this building. Little do I know, This is a very interesting house. Okay. And I found that out on the day George H.W. Bush died. Because as I'm walking through this house on that day, I look down at the newspaper and it says George H.W. Bush, former resident of 88 Hill House Avenue, the exact address I was at, (laughs) died today. Right. And so, like, I'm in a house that George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, and, you know, whatever the wife's name was. Uh, Laura, was it Laura Bush, jo- uh, Bush's mo- uh, mom, um, uh, or wife? I mean, there's so two, the, three bushes. Yeah. So. <laughs> the, well, I, Mrs. Crowley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll call her Mrs. Crowley where Mrs. <laughs> Crowley stayed. I ended up, you know, being this like delivery guy, not only like delivering there, but breaking in pretty much, you know, like going through this secret back door. Right. And it was just like what that plus many other moments really just like pushed me into uh having this sense of like something is happening here. You're you're listening to this stuff for a reason. And at that time I was obsessed with tinfoil hat, Union of the Unwanted, I think was was like only just having a you know one or two like you guys just got started with that. I remember that being something I was listening to and being Excited about and oh, you were involved two- with it, yeah. Well, 2018 was, was uh, when that happened with Bush, and you know, whether or not Union of the Unwanted was out yet, you guys had you had been on tinfoil hat, like yeah. Sam, yeah. you were in the mix for sure, yeah. yeah. And uh, and it's just, it was just so surreal that like seeing Sam at this comedy show, giving him a book you know and then him asking me to be on his patreon one thing led to another you know i i didn't ask him to work for him he just asked me you know out of nowhere and and well not really out of nowhere but <laughs> either way you know it's it's very surreal that now here i am kind of like doing this thing that uh that I was very, very obsessed with. I mean, I got driving jobs specifically for that reason to, to listen to podcasts. I mean, I was an Amazon delivery driver up until the the pandemic kicked off.
1: Man, I'll tell you, it's so I think your story is really important for people to hear because like so many of us, myself included, you know, you go through school or you grow up, and people's adults always say to you, What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, it's like, well, what do I want to be? I want to be a I want to. I want to be a professional baseball player but I don't have the talent to do it. So I want to work in professional sports. That's what I wanted to do. How am I going to get there? I don't know. So we wound up I you know it through a roundabout way I wound up not being able to get in to that industry uh, even though I had I had great contacts and I tried really hard and knew the right people i just couldn't make it happen so we wound up going around it and building our own company and getting into it that way my uh, my buddy and i did and and so i look back on 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 my route that way and it's kind of like the same route i had into the alternative media like I almost didn't really know how I was going to do it. I just knew that I was interested in it and I was I was just I'm going to figure it out. And I think there's a lot of people out there that get stuck when they go how am I going to do it? I don't know. Well, if I don't know, then I might as well just not try because I don't know how to do it. And it's it's like no, no. Keep going. Because the the path will illuminate. If you're on the right path, you'll start to see it. This person will introduce you to that person and that person will introduce you to that person. And you'll wind up way down that path towards where you're trying to go. And you'll say, if I had tried to script this, there's no way I I needed to meet this random person at that one particular time. How would I ever know that that's going to happen? So my point is like, you just, start down that path and just have a little bit of faith and make try to make things happen but just understand, understand how- that you you're not gonna you don't have to know how to get from a to z you just have to know how to get from a to b and then and then worry right. about going from b to c when you get there and then you know because otherwise just make it little little incremental steps like if if your goal had been i want to I'm going to go work for Sam Tripoli. I'm going to go book all his shows for him. And I'm going to be the guy that everybody needs to, that would have like, how would you have even dreamed of that? But you, you put yourself in a situation where good things could happen. You followed something you were really passionate about. And then people found you. <laughs>
0: that's the interesting thing is that people will find you, which is well, when that happens. And that's can I add to that? Because yeah, I, I love where, where you're going. And I think, you know, I should, should have gone maybe a little deeper into this when i was talking about cannabis and martial arts but really at that time in my life i realized the power of mind you know mm-hmm. and the ability to overcome adversity because that's what martial arts is it's it's you know you're literally putting yourself against somebody and you know the guys i was training with were 10 years older than me you know there was rarely ever someone my age interested in being in this particular dojo that I had, for whatever reason, uh, gotten to. And I actually had my uh, Sifu on the podcast, uh, episode 98 or something like that. And it was a great conversation. Um, But yeah, you know, there was this sort of, um, this sort of like... You used the word faith, but I think awareness is just as important because I did have a lot of faith in myself, but I, I was always very aware of how my mind was leading the way, right? And what I mean by that is, I think we all understand glass half full, glass half empty, and what that means to have that as a mindset. But I, I for a Greater part of my life, I put that into practice. You know, I really tried to put that into practice, and podcasting was like this big, like wide open, like can of information that I or can ocean of information that I could just dive into. You know, and mm-hmm. and I did that, and I'll give credit to where it's due, Grimerica Show Man, with the synchronicities and what they talked about in their intros. It really started to like. It really started to connect with me and and I started to notice like the little synchronicities that were happening in my life while I was listening to these shows. I mean, cause you're delivery guy, you're pretty much like eyes on the road and getting in and out of your van every now and then, you know, or very often, depending on your route. But uh, you know, it was a lot of mind space, you know, and just kind of observing and being in your head and I honestly felt like there was an interaction with the podcast and I get this same feedback from my audience all the time, you know, and I'm really grateful to even be able to say that, you know, now that I, I have a show that is being listened to, um, a great you know, people show are- by the way, a <laughs> really great Thank show you.
1: that people need to, you just had David Ike on, you had, uh, Tony Merkel on Tony Merkel is my partner on macroaggressions. He's, he's, he's the engineer of this show. You, you had, what's up, Tony? Tony, Tony, (laughs) you had, uh, you had Brian, uh, uh, AKA hotep Jesus on, uh, you know, I mean, these are, these are some, these are some deep thinkers. These are some guys that have taken some time to think about this and you've had them on for people need to check out. My family thinks I'm crazy for sure. Just add that to your list of, of podcast, your, your podcast repertoire that you've got, just throw that one in there, go subscribe to it. And and just check it out, Thank you know, me. when you can from time to time. Because I think people are like you said, you just sometimes you just want to dive right in. Sometimes you want to hit the 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 shuffle button and just go, just give me whatever all right, universe, give me whatever. And then you get you get Mark Steves and you go, All right, I'm gonna to listen to this episode today. And then it does it tells you something you would have never known and you go, Oh my God, this just I would have never known this if I hadn't been listening, and I would have never listened if I hadn't been listening to macroaggressions and he went on and on about you or whatever. Next thing you know, you're like trying to figure out how you even found out about this information. It's like, I don't know. It's just it it found me.
0: Right. Well, and speaking of great guests, you, you've been on my show twice. So folks can uh go and check out those conversations where we learned a little bit more about you. And uh yeah you know what's so interesting about how the the podcast was sort of making its appearance the podcasting world that I was listening to was sort of making its way into my life through little synchronicities here and there. And, you know, listening to Sam's show, I'm sure everybody has this experience at some point, you know, he'll say something and you'll be like, no, Sam, it's this, you know, whether it's mispronouncing something or maybe just getting something off just a little bit, you know, like you see where he's going and you're like, you know, exactly what you're trying to say, but you're fucking missed it just by so i was that guy i was listening to his show like that and it's so weird that you know it happened this way to where now i'm like literally giving you know people putting people in the position to present this information to him you know maybe information that me, I mean who am I? I'm just another guy. Not that I'm like the authority on anything, but it was really odd for me to like be like the universe was like, "Oh yeah, all right, you think you know what Sam needs to to hear? Here's your shot. Give it to him." And yeah. you know, what's funny is I was the guest on his zero podcast for the third episode and he's like, you know, "Hey man, this podcast is new." this was a great episode. Thank you so much. He's like, you know, I'd love to have you back on again, but who do you think I should have on, you know, next? Like, do you have anybody, any suggestions? And Charlie, I sent this guy like 20, 30 long lists, 30 people. I went through my podcast apps. And I'm like, okay, this guy, this guy, Sam needs to talk to this guy. You know, I, I really was like, wow, Sam wants to know who I think he should interview, you know? And he was so impressed that, you know, he asked me if I could uh, if I could do that for him and he would pay me. And and it just one thing led to another, led to another. And I had a podcast of my own at that point called The Bud Triangle. I only put it on YouTube. I only did it in person with my friends. And that was a huge limitation. And then now doing what I do with Alt Media United, I'm always talking to people about like how they're gonna start their podcast. Cause naturally Literally people hear what I'm doing they maybe hear parts of my story and they think oh mark's the best guy to talk to about this and I'm always honored and I always give as much time as I can when people hit me up but you know for the for that point in my life you know I was definitely not like motivated you know and it, it I had the bug triangle I was doing it I needed I was relying on my friends you know and Sam kind of Put it to me like, dude, you know, if you're going to be working for me, you need to have your own show. What are you doing with your show? And I told him, you know, the name of my show one time. And he was like, what does that mean? You know, that anytime you get that, you're like, okay, I, there's problems. <laughs> I got to explain my, myself. So, you know, one thing happened that really gave me the title of my show uh, outside of everything in my life, all the social awkwardness of being a conspiracy conspiracy theorist among normies, you know, outside of that, uh, there was this day where I was just so pumped that Sam had given me this opportunity. And my family was at this, you know, sort of family gathering. And I go up to my aunts and and my cousins and I'm like, yeah, I'm working for Sam Tripoli. This guy, he's a comedian. He lives in California. And they're like, so you're not delivering packages anymore. Like I had just committed, like career suicide. Like, Oh no, my amazing job at Amazon was over. I ruined <laughs> my life, you know? So I just like looked at myself and I looked at them and I'm like, Oh my gosh, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like they just like, they, they don't get it, you know? And that's, as I was driving home that day, I was laughing about that. And I was like, that's the name of my new podcast. You know, it's my family thinks I'm Perfect. crazy. And, and it, it really, you know, it, it kind of, all happened that way, and you know I was lucky enough to have you on the show early on, and and the guests have just really like shined more and more. I don't know what it is about like the synchronicities of it all, but one guest leads to another in a really funny way. Like I had uh, Michael Wan on my show, who's mm-hmm. excellent. If you haven't had him here yet, I definitely recommend. We you.
1: haven't had him here, but we've had him on Union of the Unwanted, and he is right. tremendous.
0: Right. And, you know, I had him on my show and, and then, you know, we ended up striking up a friendship. He had me over his house. I've visited him several times. He's a couple states away, but, uh, given what he researches, it's, it's very interesting. And I wanted to go down there and, and check it out. And now I co host a podcast with him. So, like, this is, you know, this is just like the magic of, of intention. You know, I had the intention really early on to, make use of this information. Cause for a time, you know, my parents would be like, what the hell are you doing with your life? You know? And, and, and what's, what's it worth smoking weed or what's it worth buying these books or what's it worth spending money on crystals? And, and I would be like, I'm, you know, this is my, my mind, my soul that I'm cultivating, you know? And it it had really no physical, tangible benefits, unfortunately. I'm sure there's ways to quantify that
1: when in in education, but in education is the most important thing you can do, but it's really hard to show the receipts for it. I mean, I guess you can, I guess you can show your student loan debt for it.
0: But but And that's why I dropped out of college because of the student loan debt. I didn't want to put myself in that position. Luckily uh, I, I avoided that, but yeah. But Hey, you know, my, my mom
1: had, my mom has been very supportive of everything I I do, but I remember telling her, in like this had to have been twenty fifteen or so twenty fourteen maybe um I was telling her about some new conspiracy I'd discovered or something, and she said, This is all really interesting, it's fascinating that you 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 know about all these different things, and it's 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 interesting, but she goes, Can I ask you just a, a like a real easy question she goes what are you go what do you plan to do with it and I was like i I didn't have an answer. I just, I didn't, it had never crossed my mind that I, I needed to do anything with it. I just thought I was interested in it. I just thought I was accumulating this information. It was the first time that it had ever occurred to me that I might have a role in this. And I started to think, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to direct a, documentary well, i don't really know how to do that i you know what can i do and i said well maybe i could write and you go well, i know how to write so i started that and that became the octopus was was right. that conversation with my mom and then everything else that i that i've done has come from that so it came from that one conversation with my mom that that's nice what are you going to do it? it's like you looking at your family going my family thinks i'm crazy <laughs> and, and, and then you go well wait a second if it hadn't been for that moment You wouldn't have had the podcast name. You you you've committed to that, and now we're down the path where you've got alt media united. By the way, so I'm going to put the link in the description of the in the show notes, of course, for everybody. But if you're if you're listening and you're at a place where you can uh, get on, you know, open up another window, go to alt.
0: Oh, yeah. And we're mobile friendly. Our website's pretty cool on the mobile browser, too. So if you're listening to it on a phone, go ahead and check it out.
1: MediaUnited.com And um, and that's like a...
0: Can I just say real quick, Charlie? I don't want to give the impression that you know, my family didn't have any reason to think I was crazy because they really, I mean, they did. I mean, there's st- they have some good reasons to think I'm crazy. I We're mean, all crazy. I'm not, I mean, when you
1: start yeah. talking about this stuff, you by <laughs> default sound insane. We all do. There's no there's no shame in that. But um but but this um this project, this this website that you've built, I think it's a good place if people want to just go there and bookmark it because you're going to take a look at like the 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 main image there with all of the logos of all the different podcasts, and you're going to be like, "I like that one, I like that one, I like that one." This is where you can go for all of it's like a centralized place to find all of the alternative media podcasts and in one spot, and we, a
0: bunch. We see, never it, we even see it happening, you know, more and more people getting censored, and yep. this was definitely uh, a hotter topic when it all got started really. I mean, it still obviously is, but I, I remember being a guest on the union of the unwanted and, and having that sense that I communicated earlier that like, wow, this is so cool. There needs to be like an actual website for this, you know, because right. outside of the, the group format of a podcast, you know, at that point in time, there was like really only a couple places that I had known about and they were only like they were like networks you know like you do a show on forbidden knowledge news they're part of all media united that's somewhat of a network to some degree and you know I'm really so uh, stoked that Chris kind of joined forces with us because there's a bunch of awesome shows on there that I've yet to make uh, all media united pages for
1: I do a show with Chris and Corey and x cube called uh, uh, called day zero which right. is which is in that forbidden knowledge news network. So yeah, I know what you're talking about. So you 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 took like you you grouped up multiple networks into one one. Oh, and spot. fringe
0: fringe FM, which fringe I'm FM, pretty yeah. sure you're also. Yeah, I'm on. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm on there too. Yeah, right. Joe, Joe Roop is great. A great. You know what I've learned, and this is this I this can't go on forever. But but up to this point, the people that I've met in the alternative media have been the best people the nicest i don't have issues with people i i I, chris matthews just it's just that he's hysterical he used to he lived right down the street from me uh when he and Corey were there and i used to go over to their house and 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 when they were doing their shows and everything and hang out and then we wound up doing a show what a great guy joe roop an amazing guy sam tripoli one of my favorite people in the world i mean i text with sam every day and and so I've met the nicest people. And I think we all have one thing in common. We don't know it all. Well, two things. We don't know it all. We don't pretend to know it all, but we're on this journey. We're trying to figure it all out. And the people that want that knowledge, it's like a certain type of people. It's a certain breed of person that's like, I'm not satisfied with what I'm being told. I feel like there's more to it. I got to go figure it out. And someone's like, well, why? Why do you need to figure it out? And you're like, just because I have to. I just have to, I just, I just need to know what's really happening. Not because I'm going to fix it necessarily or anything, but it's this, this desire. And I get emails all the time from people that are like, you've opened my eyes to this stuff. I'm so grateful that you would think that I opened your eyes to it, but I really didn't. I just put it, I just put it in front of you. You opened your eyes to it. I had nothing to do with this. You know, these, the people out there that we we're just leading them to this information. It's up to them what they want to do with it, you know? And, and you can be just a consumer of it too. That's totally fine. Nobody says you have to go get involved. But once my mom asked me that simple question, I thought, "Oh my god. I actually I actually have to tell everybody about this stuff." I I felt like I'm not religious, I'm not a religious person, but I I felt like what I assume it must feel like for people that have like a religious awakening and they're like, "I have to tell everybody about this." It's so beneficial to my life. I want to tell everybody. But I also know that those people can come across as totally insane. And I didn't want to be that person, even though mm-hmm. I maybe am a little bit. <laughs> but but I wanted to see like, can I explain this in a way that doesn't sound like like uh, too evangelical about it or too uh or or too like tinfoil hatty uh, or anything like that? Can I, can I maybe talk about this stuff in a rational way that doesn't sound so crazy so that's like been that's been my challenge is to try and take crazy information and make it sound less crazy so that normies can understand it and sort of work their way up uh oh, I but hit i did love- right
0: on the i hit it right on the head of the nail sometimes i don't know i can be very like sharp with my words and and i think it's 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 a certain like thing that comes out of me and it's why i have that reputation with my family because i i know you've told a story on my podcast about doing something similar but you sort of like we we as conspiracy theorists we're just seeing this whole nother world that for us what's just like second nature for at some point uh to other people is like whoa where is this coming from you know because you will just pull this information out with just the most confidence and it just really takes people back who who are open minded in a lot of cases they're just not aware or familiar of any of this stuff
1: i would love to do a survey with the people that are alternative media podcast hosts and maybe also just like the listeners to find out what percentage Have had psychedelic experiences because I would be willing to bet that number is very high. Because I the people that I know, like I was a totally different person before I tried mushrooms in college. Mm -hmm. After that, I I just I felt like a filter was lifted off, you know, or or I put the they live glasses on a little bit. Not to say that I had it all figured out, but what I it opened me up to the possibility that everything that I currently knew was wrong. And that's a big like that's a big moment when you go okay i don't know anything if i can if i can have a, a th- one of these you know really profound trips on you know whether it's psilocybin or uh, ayahuasca or dmt or whatever it just makes you realize okay wh- if what we think if our world is just what we see with our eyes or hear with our ears then we are really limiting ourselves there's so much more out there and then it just kind of i think it maybe opened me up to the possibility that I wasn't getting the truth in history books. And, and, and I was at this like really stuffy school y- university where everything's very like strict, you know, strict and by the book. And I just, I just felt out of place there. And so that the idea of like opening up your mind and, and I know, and I'm not, I'm not like drugs or drugs are bad or drugs are good or anything like that. It's like, I, make up your own decision You make up your own minds and stuff like that. Be safe. Don't be stupid. But the idea of the 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 psychedelic experience that i had and then i didn't have any for a, for a long long time but it 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 really sent me down a totally different path i don't think i would have been on had it not been for that did did did, did you did you have a did psychedelics play a role in your i don't know awakening
0: absolutely i mean you know cannabis being obviously a mild psychedelic yeah. uh, i used it <laughs> To a high degree, I mean, I've probably smoked every day, multiple times every day for the past decade, Charlie. Yeah. So I don't know whether that gives you more respect or less respect for me, but I feel like well, there's a certain Graham Hancock did too.
1: I mean, Graham Hancock notoriously did that for three decades, right? You know, so and I, and, and his I, work is, in my opinion, on the Mount Rushmore of of writing.
0: Thank you. I, I definitely didn't uh can't say I was inspired by that, uh by Graham Hancock particularly. Actually, Eddie Bravo, it's funny, I've met Eddie Bravo and you know, before I ever smoked weed, I was very, very much against all of it, anything intoxicant. And um and it was Eddie Bravo and Bruce Lee, because I realized, oh, these guys are smoking pot and getting high and doing martial arts. You know, at least Bruce Lee did to some degree, uh, like ingest cannabis during his workout routine. And it's funny because I met Eddie Bravo before I worked for Tripoli. E, but it's just again how these things like circle back and how these synchronicities come full circle. But um, yeah, I think outside of cannabis, the few mushroom and acid experiences that i've had have in a way because i don't think that i've used these things the same way other people have i mean i told you what books i was reading way of the shaman and carlos castaneda's books which you know are semi-fictional so you could take those with a grain of salt but robert anton wilson who actually interviewed um a friend of his recently on Illuminati confirmed the founder of the church of the subgenius joined us on the Illuminati confirmed, Whoa. uh, which was very interesting, kind of, uh, like the anti-cult leader, uh, in a way like very culty, but also like the opposite of a cult. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I, I would do these sort of like introspective experiments with cannabis. And then I took that further uh, with acid and mushrooms and, you know one of the most profound acid experiences i had started with me lighting a candle in a pitch black room and then meditating and setting my intention and then as the day went on and as i tripped harder i went up this mountain uh, nearby and i made my way to a spot which i later learned more recently is was considered sacred to the native americans who lived around here um i made my way over to these rocks and and sat on this rock and just was in awe of nature and this big big buck you know big deer with uh big horns comes and we just had this moment of of locked eyes you know and i'm sitting on a rock that's probably like six feet off the ground you know uh sort of near a ledge he's just staring at me like what is this thing you know And, and we had this just amazing experience. And and you know, I, I definitely like supplemented those experiences by listening to Alan Watts and other sort of things like that. I really wish I had been into podcasts at that age, because I wonder what would happen if I did that now. But yeah, I, I definitely, you know, would listen to like Alan Watts meditations and and uh, Terrence McKenna and other things like that. And And yeah, I've had some, I've had some very memorable experiences. That last one, I just explained, um, my mentor Amos, the gentleman I was describing before he explained that to me as possibly being a spirit animal encounter. Like that was, you know, a real animal, physical animal, but like meant to be sort of occasion. And I, I really do believe, uh, in this sort of world of consciousness, you know, like our consciousness is not limited to our bodies and we can interact in these ways with the world around us. And I I don't know that most people who haven't experienced a psychedelic trip really fully understand what I mean by that, you know, because, you know, psychedelics kind of show you the, the fluidity of your own consciousness. And if that's true for your consciousness, how can it not be true for you know, normal waking consciousness, not yeah. supplemented by psychedelics, even if it's in a minor, minor, very minor way, very subtle way, it's happening. So who knows? Maybe the amount of psychedelics I'm currently doing in the sense of like smoking every day, and like not that I do psychedelics very often, but I, I can say I've probably done them maybe yearly for the past couple of years, once or yeah. twice a year. Um, maybe there's a certain level of of psychic uh, re- like residue that's left behind, or yeah, maybe or ability.
1: Well, I think for, for for those that have not done psychedelics, to like a a little example of of the to give you an idea of what's out there is like if you if you've ever had a bad vibe, or you've been in a place and you just get a bad vibe, and there's somebody in there that gives you you you. I can give you an
0: that. example of that happening. Just today, I was in a grocery store. I walked by this guy who was waiting to use the self-checkout. And uh I could just see it on him that he there was something going on. And I go and I'm going about my shopping and then I come back over to the self-checkout spot and like the Whole Foods employees were like on him, like watching him. And sure enough, they had like, you know, they they were doing that one of their stings where because they'll watch you, you know, and keep up with you if you go in there a lot. And I used to work there. You steal, you know, a certain amount, then they come and they sting you. You know, they catch you while you're in the act, but I could sense it. I'm like, there's something with this guy. He's going to do something weird. And that's what it was. You know, they went and chased him out to his car.
1: Yeah, man. There's, there's, there's something, there's some I – mean, I hate to get too woo-woo, but there is a vibrational energy. And I think that the people that have done psychedelics maybe either have been able to harness that or they they recognize it when they see it now. So I think that there's – it's just – it's not to say that um, – you know that you have to do psychedelics to have these sorts of unusual experiences. but if you have like a like a real big deja vu that's a, that's a that's a very kind of familiar feeling and and it just opens you up to the to the idea that well, you know there's there's our conscious mind and then there's this subconscious mind that's doing a million other things and it might be talking to the person in the next aisle over, you know what I mean? We don't even know what's, what all is going on there. So it's just, it's about, I think it's just for people to be open to these, to add another
0: of of weirdness. To add another one to the mix. I, uh, going back to that same time period, talking to Amos, I think freshly, uh, like sophomore year, I went to the library and, I was specifically looking for books about skull and bones, and I found a book called Fleshing Out Skull and Bones. Uh, and it was made by Chris Milligan, who I've had on my podcast. A trying day. Yeah, like, you know, a couple, you know, however many years later, I ended up talking to this guy. who I did too. I, I was talking book about my public library.
1: My second book, I talked to him about publishing it. And yeah, I had a good talk. He's a great guy
0: really great guy and so it's little things like that that stack up but you know to bring it back to skull and bones before we completely uh end it uh or you know put a bow on the topic uh I did a walking tour of the sort of areas of the campus that I think are of interest and connected to it because I had a conversation with someone that I'm almost certain uh well no maybe not I'm mixing up Maybe you're familiar. are you familiar with Paranoid American at all the no. comic book so they're they make some really cool like conspiracy theme comic books and uh, they have this comic book, Geronimo's Grave that uh, after having wow. Thomas the creator, the owner of the comic book company on my show, I was just looking through his catalog and I'm like, oh wow, this is exactly the story I've been talking about for all these years. Hmm. so I end up you know buying a bunch of copies from him. And it, this was the beginning of March, so I'm like, all right, so 322—that's Skull and Bones special number. Here we are, March. Let's do March 22nd, you know, and get everybody there. And Greg Carlwood, who I know you're absolutely familiar with—you've yeah. been on his show a couple times—he has Mar- this Mar- really awesome meetup, which I'm sure you should use if you haven't already. I've checked got it, it bookmarked. Out. Yeah, very. Higher cool. side chat meetups, yeah. I love it and I love that that is a thing. I think Alt Media United is going to create something similar on our website soon um, or just link it, you know, because no agenda does the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Greg's a part of the cooperative, as a yes, matter of fact. Is. But uh, but yeah, so I set that up and I was like, you know what, this is all kind of like happening. I got to do this. And really, I think that it's in line with kind of what we need to do about these sort of problems it's not that you know we need to break down the tomb door and get the skulls out of there and you know that's not going to solve any problems what i think is most important is that we do these sorts of uh awareness ceremonies you know like the seven really awesome people that showed up that day we all sort of were just aware You know, we are bringing these ideas, these things that have happened behind closed doors, these facts that, you know, become allegedly on Wikipedia. Uh, You know, we're speaking them in the realm where these people have walked, where they have haunted, you know. And I I think that there's something to that uh, in the collective consciousness. I don't know what the result of that would be. Hopefully we see something happen where, you know, this sort of thing is recognized. But I was going in the archives, the newspaper archives, and I found this story of a a Native American named the Apache Kid, who was an outlaw out your way in the uh, Western Rockies there. Mm -hmm. And these Chicago businessmen were down on some kind of hunting party and they saw him and, and ran into him. And. They ended up following him and and sort of surrounding him, killing him. They go back a month later and grab his skull and they send it off to Yale University, skull and bones. You know, and this is all right in the newspaper. You know, and it's like to the maybe the Westerner reading a newspaper at that time, some like prospector or farmer or something. He's like, oh, skull and bone society that sounds like the place to deal with that sort of thing no like they're doing dark freemasonic maybe knights of templar type rituals in the, with those skulls you know they're drinking out of them they're turning them into ballot boxes in uh, 2005 there was an auction of skull and bones collectibles that went for twenty thousand dollars to a european private european collector and they had a skull and femur bones the femur bones were engraved with the name thor they all like to have their own special nicknames you know they've been you know odin bushes were gog and magog and you know on and on and on but they turn this skull into a ballot box that they could use in their little you know whatever their elections are within a fraternity but yeah that's the type of stuff they're doing with the remains of of people like martin van buren geronimo Uh, a a curious Russian woman who has a bar named after her, the Russian lady uh, on the other side of town. So there are all these sort of interesting connections. And I've even uh, spoken to a man, Peter shampoo recently, who talks about a ley line connecting uh, Boston, new Haven, where skull and bones is where this sort of story I'm talking about takes place. I'm not from new Haven. I'm from a town nearby. Um, And then, we have new york city philadelphia washington dc and maybe another city in georgia i think atlanta all on this ley line that peter shampoo calls the city ley line and it connects to the pyramids in mexico where all of these sacrifices happened and peter talks about how this is possibly uh you know some sort of energetic residue that's left along this line that these cities are tapping into as they're built in uh sort of proximity to this line coming from this pyramid and you know all of these cities have a reputation for crime and and all sorts of bad stuff and that's a big part of what walter bosley talks about with ley lines and how there's this like negative energy that can be left behind you know there's a murder that he talks about that happened on the 33rd degree of latitude that uh you know connects to all these places and so you know what that means for what we have going on in new haven i don't know but one of the weirdest things that amos told me about skull and bones is that on 322 the same day that we did our walking tour Mm -hmm. they go down to uh the tunnel and they do some sort of ritual and they jerk off on each other well much darker than that they Uh you know (laughs) allegedly kill a a child and you know consume his heart at the top of this tower uh New Haven uh, as the sun rises so you know there's sort of connections to the Aztec sacrifices because that was a big part of the Aztec sacrifice they would pull the heart out and you know this energy from the heart would be transferred to the sun in their eyes so who knows if there's any corroborance there but let's also connect the skull thing because we have all this collecting of skulls what did they do at those pyramids they had a wall of skulls that they would collect so I mean I think whether or not there's a direct physical connection, may be very hard to prove and also probably less plausible. But I think what we're happen- what we're seeing is this sort of line of energy that has a certain influence on which groups uh, proliferate in that area and there are other groups uh, or all you know certain groups that know and have this knowledge of what the energy lines mean and what they do and they place their buildings along this line for certain reasons they there's a lot of thought that
1: goes into that then and we know about that layout of washington dc we know about the right. owl we know about the you know all of that symbolism it it's tempting to to sort of be dismissive of it and go, well, that stuff's just nonsense or who cares about that. But the, the point is, it matters to them a lot. It's very important to them. It's, a, it's the biggest deal in the world, the numbering and the layout and the Freemasonic components to it and the names and all that stuff. You know, like you said, Thor was engraved in the side of that bone that if that's your name at skull and bones, then that's your identity. You know, you become that. And so let's talk about some of the guys that we recognize from skull and bones, the names we've got Prescott Bush. We've got George HW Bush. We've got George W Bush. So all three lines of the Bush family, we've got John Kerry. We've got Steven Schwartzman. We've got, um, Oh boy.
0: Sorry, I'm looking for my list. I have a, a list a, that I put together. You've got a list. Yeah.
1: It's a it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty detailed list. I remember looking at at um at I don't know, maybe a list of maybe 30 names on it and I think I recognized 10 of them. You know, it they, it wasn't it wasn't like looking at the committee of three hundreds list. When you go, oh shit! I know every single name on this list. They're all worse right. than the last one. But w- with Skull and Bones, it was like I recognized some of the names, but but not all of them. But then again, I didn't I didn't research to see who those names were that I didn't recognize. For all I know, they could be running some multi billion dollar corporation I've never even heard of before, so uh, you know I would I would guess that you are when you're in that group, you're in that group for a reason. You're in there, well, you're at that school for a reason. You're they're probably this is the equivalent to them of uh, arranged marriages or something like along those lines or interbreeding keeping it in the family they're all going to be wealthy powerful is it true that they're granted $250,000 each when they leave and and that money is given to them to go start doing whatever it is they need to do
0: That and a grandfather clock is the supposed legend. They're given a grandfather clock. And it's important to to mention, you know, Skull and Bones is not like your average fraternity that I was a part of that's geared towards a four-year membership. This is a you're tapped when you're a junior you're in, in the group when you're a senior and then you take on you know all of the responsibilities of the group after you leave yale university oh. when you become a patriarch right this is the the name you're given uh once you graduate so you're you're a knight and that's where your name comes from right we have you know odin the knight of whatever BS, you know, they talk about in their little ceremonies, but yeah, it's ostensibly like an after universe, post-university society. That's what it's geared towards. And they even have a uh, private island that they own in the upstate New York thousands islands region. Right. And uh, from my research, you know, trying to connect the dots and, and weave in the sort of spiritual nature of things. That area was known as the Garden of the Gods by the Iroquois nation and the people that lived in that area and over and over and over again, we see this kind of connection with skull and bones and Native Americans and what I you know interpret that as is like take yourself back to that time when they were founded eighteen thirty two we have Alfonso Taft and William uh, Russell who were very much interested in the Hegelian philosophy that they were learning when they took a trip to Germany I think uh, Russell studied at the University of Berlin and was very uh, enamored with everything he was learning there and and this sort of states is the you know ultimate leader the God statism sort of philosophy and then we have you know America at that time. Where the West was not settled fully. You have all of these tribes that are either warring or cooperating with the government and, you know, being taken from their homes and brought somewhere else. And all this stuff was happening. And I believe, you know, especially when you look at the military connection, specifically with things like, you know, like we said, the National Guard, you know, there's a sort of emphasis on what's going on here in the country in a militaristic way. Uh, I think that points to their connection to this sort of spiritual domination. You know, cutting the spiritual cord from the Native Americans so that we, as the colonizers, inherit—not we, me and Charlie—but right, no. as the colonizers inherit the spirit of the land, right? And and that's where the myth making of the United States really comes into play, and that's why. You know, as we were saying before, skull and bones. You know, they're not just limited to like the executive branch, legislature. You know, think tanks, banking. They're also in the sectors of the church and education, media, publishing, business, industry, commerce, law. You know, so there's a web that they have sort of uh, been cast over, uh, or that they had cast over the United States, and you know, we know. On a show like this, groups like the Bilderbergs, the Council of Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, Bohemian Club, and so on. But Anthony Sutton, in his book, he shows that the Order has sort of, and this is the sort of secret name for Skull and Bones, the Order or the Brotherhood of Death. The Order has penetrated all of these groups. They're part of the Bilderbergs. They're in the inner circle of all of these types of groups, Council on Foreign Relations, and right. so on. So, And we're talking about, like I said before, East Coast dynasties, uh, robber baron types of that age, whose families have gone on to have a tremendous amount of influence. And you know, before we're naming some of them, I mean, obviously John Kerry and George W. Bush are the most famous component, you know, opponents towards each other. Both, you know, Skull and Bones members. I don't know if they were even. I mean, they might have even been a part of the same class. I mean, that, if that doesn't make you scratch your head, I don't well,
1: know what. Well, Tim does. Russard asked the question and then ended up dead.
0: Well, yeah, I I didn't know that, but that's I I don't doubt that. And the FedEx, you know, founder of FedEx, founder of BlackRock, founder of uh, you know a number of influential corporations. And when we're talking about you know people in the right places, think about what FedEx does, right? And think about how. The original, you know, Taft uh, Russell sort of trust, this Russell tr- trust, they were all, you know, families that were making money off of shipping illicit drugs into the country, you know, opium right. and, and and the like. So, I don't think that it's any coincidence that Yale is now a big medical industry, you know, medical school, and they have a big pharmaceutical industry building, you know, with Alexion, which is a big pharmaceutical company right in town, one of the tallest buildings in town bigger than the chase bank building. And, uh, you know, that's where the power is with this group. You know, it's in, it's in the, the big drug market, the military and influence within government.
1: Yeah. what? Yeah. And it's very real. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not conspiracy theory. It's a, it's a, it's a group of guys at Yale doing this for, for people that are unfamiliar with skull and bones. Um, let's wrap up with this. Illuminati confirmed
0: new show. <laughs> yeah. So, so Illuminati confirmed this. and Alt Media United, I should say, is, you know, an awesome podcast cooperative that I put together with the intention of raising free speech and giving people an idea of this sector of entertainment in a way that's like sort of more official. Cause all over the place, you know, we're yeah. banned and, you know, even Linktree. Bands people now, you know, and it's like our website is really like a super bona fide link tree. Like when we make you a page on Alt Media United, you're basically getting a really cool link tree that has your podcast that is in a player, videos, whatever you want on your page. I'll put it there. So if you're listening and you have a podcast and you're not already a part of Alt Media United, don't hesitate, get in touch with me. You can do that through the site. And uh, one of the ways that you know, one of the really cool benefits of Alt Media United is the networking, you know, meeting all these cool people. And somebody that I met early on is a gentleman named Chris from the Mensa podcast. And he introduced me to a dude named Juan from the Juan on Juan podcast. I'm doing your the show in a show the He's, yeah, he told me about that. He's very excited. And I'm excited uh, Juan. Too. Juan and I and Chris, we really hit it off, man, when we did our first like sort of group podcast together that it was Chris's idea. He wanted to introduce me to Juan, and I enjoyed talking to them. We just hit it off joking all about Nick Cage and all kinds of crazy shit. So we came up with the name Illuminati Confirmed because of one of uh Juan's sound clips that he has. It's just like oh, Illuminati is, Confirmed. Is
1: it like Isaac Weisshoff doing it <laughs> or
0: something? I don't know who's doing it, but either way, it's just like a funny little sound clip. And then we, you know, we had on, uh, we, we had the intention of like interviewing people and sort of putting them to the test, like, like putting a little bit of pressure on them in a fun way. You know, right. like we say, like anything you say, Canon, and, Canon and will be used against you for humorous and satirical purposes. You know, like that's right. kind of where we start the show. and. And we've had some people on that you know have responded in weird ways to that, which <laughs> is interesting. And we've also f- had some people on who uh, we realized in hindsight, like, oh, everybody we've had on has had a pseudonym of some type, you know, that the name they're using aside from one person um, is like not their real name. So we're like, what if we just go and interview people who don't have like their real names out there? And like, that's what, you know, we're putting like, who are you type of like, so I, I don't like that type of ambush scenario, but it is fun to, uh, to put people in that sort of situation, obviously with no malintent because we are yeah. friends with everybody we've had on the show and don't have any negative feelings towards anyone that's been on the show or or will be on the show. I mean, I, I can't say for sure, but we'll see. But yeah, it's it's a fun, it's a fun conspiracy show. And I think we all hit hit the topic from different angles. Like Juan is very knowledgeable in one realm. I'm very knowledgeable in another, and Chris is knowledgeable in his own realm. And And we all bring our own dynamic to the show. So that's, that's one of the many podcasts I've been doing lately. You know, I work for Sam Tripoli, so I have to sort of follow in his footsteps in some sense. So I do have five podcasts to plug here. uh, (laughs) Please do. Let's hear them. Sam does, you know, so I do Illuminati confirmed, which you can find on my RSS feed as well as Juan's RSS feed, um, podcast feed for those who don't know tech talk. Um, And obviously, my show, my family thinks I'm crazy. Where you can find that, you can also find another little like sideshow that I do with Dave Zed from Generation Z. It's called Dave. the Elemental Philosophy Forum. He's really smart, really knowledgeable. He's, he's again, nice in his guy. own area, very yeah, very polite. He, you know, very polite. He's every the most. Conversation we text. have starts with an "I'm sorry." I'm sorry.
1: he's, <laughs> he's Canadian. Yeah, right, he's the right. he's the sweetest guy in the world. Yeah, I, I get such nice texts from him all the time. I just think he's the best, and I like the show too. By the way, I like the Generation Z show. I mean, there I love that UFO. I'm I'm into all UFOs. I don't pretend to know anything. Like I don't have right. any sort of special knowledge or anything like that. I just am fascinated with the topic. So
0: that's the same way I am. I'm very sort of uh, you know. I, I'm not good with all the technical details that he's just like really brilliant with. So mm-hmm. when we do our show together, we take a look at an element on the periodic table of elements and see what kind of strange information we can find about it. And I wow. usually find some like alchemical information, uh, maybe some occult science information. And, and Dave typically finds something connecting to like weird military things. Tech or like some crazy like, like oop part cr- that fell off a meteorite. right so that's a great is,
1: show man that's I re- i didn't know you guys were doing that that's a really it's, cool idea
0: what's it's it called once again? a month it's once a month it's it's the elemental philosophy forum kind of a mouthful but you can find it in my rss feed and dave's rss feed okay um and uh yeah it's it's at at this point in time we're doing it just once a month because we're both uh very busy but the idea is to have guests on moving forward and uh he's got some pretty interesting like doctors and scientists that he wants to talk to about yeah. this stuff so i'm excited to see where the show goes and and then uh Michael Wan who we mentioned before mm-hmm. i do a show with him called Your Handbook for the Apocalypse that comes out once a month and that's a blast you know mike and i always have uh, interesting conversation. You know, we try to keep it topical and like up to date on what's going on in our lives, but it's not really about our lives. It's really about like what we're thinking about and, you know, maybe strange things that happen to us in between. Like, uh, for instance, Mike had this presentation that he gave to a group of Pennsylvania Freemasons and uh, it was a little anxiety. You know, we had some anxiety about it and uh, I ended up driving down to sort of be his like bodyguard in a way in case the shit hit the fan. And uh, (laughs) he wasn't going to tell them something they wanted to hear. I I, I suppose who knows, who knows what could have happened, but just the circumstances were enough to, to make us all a little like, you know, worried. So uh, that was a fun time. And we talked about that on the show, everything was fine. The Masons were all just normal dudes as I kind of, uh, expected underwhelmingly, of course, but it was, it was fun. And, uh, and then, yeah, uh, did I say five? Yes. Five. So now I'm the co-host on, uh, the free thinker society podcast with Mike Romanelli. Um, um, Mike Romanelli, for those who don't know is uh business partners with Sam Tripoli. They co-own the dojo comedy club in New Jersey. Uh, Sam owns a dojo in, in LA as well, or near LA. I'm not I've never been to California, so I don't know where's what. But, uh, but yeah, so that's something I'm doing now. Um, we just started. I've been on the show as a guest a bunch. I've been in studio. Uh, they have a really cool podcast studio in the restaurant that also has a comedy club in it. And it's just, you know, it's a blast. And, uh, I, I, you know, I love going down there because you never know who you're going to see. I mean, I've met Gino Bisconte, I've met Anthony Kumia. I've met a bunch of, you know, interesting comedians down there. Um there's there's definitely so many more. Obviously, I met Sam Tripoli there, but uh, but I knew him from, from before that.
1: Yeah. Sam, well, Sam has been a, a thread that's run through both of our lives as well, because I I um asked Greg Carlwood to hook me up with with sam because i wanted to send him my first book and um and through that meeting i wound up in la with him and we got along really well and then that turned into union of the unwanted with midnight mike and ricky verandas and, and that's you know again nothing i could have planned nothing that right. i could have written a business plan uh, about and say well in year three i'll be introduced to sam Tripley who will then do this you know Right. You just have to kind of set that intention. Say, I'm going that direction. I'm going to make it happen. Whatever it is in your life, you know, whether it's becoming like the CEO of where you work, or or being like running like a small at at home business or whatever. Just how am I going to do it? I don't know. I'm going to yeah. figure it out. I'm going to and figure have it that out. Positive awareness to recognize it. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because I think that's the that's the biggest thing that. I can say if if there's any advice you know from the short 27 years that I've been on the planet that I can give someone is really like learn to tune your compass that is your heart and your will to positive you know in a positive direction how whatever that means for you and absolutely right like your life will find you you know the life you want to be living will find you
1: It certainly will, but we got to put ourselves in a position to succeed. We got to, we got to do, do the right things and, uh, and not come from a place of fear. Mark Steves, you're the fucking best man.
0: Um, thank you. Anyone that,
1: that wants to check in with Mark, all of his links will be in the description. If you enjoyed this episode, take the additional step right now, you bastards of sharing this with your friends and family. Thank you all. And I'll talk to you soon.
0: And here we are, back after our conversation with Charlie Robinson, great host of the Macroaggressions podcast. He's an author, of the octopus of global control, as well as the controlled demolition of the American empire. Hope I got that last one right, because if you've heard me interview Charlie, you know that I have gotten his book titles incorrect at certain times. So anyways great episode with charlie i thought i could have done better there were some things some research points that i made uh that i ended up correcting later on That i found out were assumptions or maybe uh things that i thought were there that weren't so for example the nine square thing for some reason i had it in my head that the ninth square wasn't where it is and Turns out it actually is where I said it wasn't, so that may be confusing. But if you hear that, if you heard this episode, well, you might know what I'm talking about. But anyways, yeah, that that I've moved away from. It's a part of it still. I still think the green is interesting, but uh, yeah, I've done a lot more conversations like this, and you will be hearing more of those this week. So uh, thank you for being here, and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Peace.